0: Would you open God's precious holy word to Deuteronomy chapter four. Suppose you were the biggest influence in the lives of millions of people and uh, you uh know that you are within weeks of dying, maybe less. And you have enough influence over these people such that you can call them together to give them your final thoughts. And... Wisdom and guidance, advice in life. What, uh, what would you tell them? Of course, this is the case of Moses here in Deuteronomy. Moses gives them three lectures, three speeches. We come to the end of his first one here in this portion of Deuteronomy. <clears throat> and it closes out here in this portion we're reading tonight with some final reflection what would you say to people what would you say they're going to listen to you and the example of your life is so strong that they know that you 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 made you you pretty much for the most part made correct decisions and you were blessed and that you had a special relationship with God, what would you say? Moses, the first thing that he does in this first lecture, first speech, as we have seen for several weeks, has taken them back over the history of their exodus and trek through the desert. Because it was filled with the truth of God's Word, which included blessing and judgment. Takes them back over the terrible mistakes that their fathers had made, the generation before them, the victories that were won because of the power of Yahweh, their God and the the brink of fulfillment of the great promise of giving them the land, the seed of Abraham, which had grown to be a nation, closed out with reflecting upon the power, the importance of the word of God in your life that's that's pretty good final advice to people look where you've been consider in your journey before God the things that God blessed and the things that God judged consider the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience and you've experienced them you were there because of the disobedience of your parents. You were younger, but you were there. And the final part of this first lecture is resting upon this particular statement. You must believe and obey the word of God. What what greater thing, what greater advice could you leave? to those who are listening to you for advice so let's look at the this portion of the deuteronomy of deuteronomy chapter 4 that begins in verse 32 the first thing that is stated here is that the word of god comes to a book rests in a book it is a book that is like no other book it lives it's alive it is unique in its material it is profound in its material it just matter-of-factly states some of the most awesome things ever done in history states it as a fact The word of God is for the people of God. This is something that is difficult for the world to understand. The world thinks that they can dabble in the word of God. They actually think they can criticize it, doubt it. And yet for all of the books that the world has written, this book stands alone, the word of God. Now they have the very beginning of the revelation of God, the, 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 the word of God. It's the Torah. That's the law of Moses. They have the very beginning of it here. But it sets the pace and establishes the foundation of the importance of the relationship between the people of God and the word of God. And you can say that in the reverse order. The word of God And the people of God. The word of God is for the people of God. It it took me a long time in my ministry to be able to say that. To be able to tell people to their faces when they would scoff at something that came from the word of God. And I finally could just tell them boldly and frankly. Apparently, you are a reprobate. I can do nothing to change your heart. I can't do it. It takes a changed heart. It takes a child of God to interact with the word of God. The word of God is spiritually alive. The children of God, the people of God are spiritually alive. And so that it bears witness with my spirit tells me that I'm spiritually alive. It speaks to me. it doesn't speak to you it tells me that you're spiritually dead and it's not for you why don't you just go put it back in the bookshelf if it's meaningless to you you're better off just being quiet about it than criticizing it sometimes that shakes people but what do you care i mean it's the truth this word that we're looking at here in this time frame was for those people it wasn't for the ammonites it wasn't for the Canaan; it was for the Israelites. That's who it was for. And it was God telling the Israelites how and why things happened. The Ammonites didn't want to hear how they came under the judgment of God, nor the Moabites, nor any of the others. They didn't want to hear that. Later on, the prophet in the minor of prophets, you know, God said, Jacob I have loved. Esau loved. I have hated. Well, the Edomites didn't want to hear that. They could escape that. It was possible to escape that because Caleb was an Edomite. He was, he, was, he was one of the descendants of Esau, Kenizzite of the Edomites, descendants of Esau. But he belonged to Judah. He was an Israelite in his heart. Those who are not the people of God despise the word of God Abuse the word of God. Doubt the word of God. And do not accept the word of God. And do not not have any inclination to live by the word of God. It's different with the people of God though. Here are the people of God about to cross the river. And do something that is extraordinary. It is something that is a watershed event in the Bible. And it is this. The promise that hundreds of years earlier God made to Abraham regarding his physical descendants is about to come true. They're going to take a vast portion of planet Earth as their inheritance that God had promised them, and it was God Almighty who signed the deed over to them. Now it's their time. So to listen to this and to hear this is for the people of God who have actually, up to this point in their lives, have seen the word of God work itself out by the power of God. It's that way in the lives of of Christians today. We have a spiritual perception and a spiritual perspective and a worldview that the world cannot have because they cannot receive. They're dead. They can't receive something that's alive. They don't they don't appreciate nor can they receive something miraculous is going to have to happen to them. Like it happened to me to be reborn, to have the grace of God intervene in my life and awaken me from spiritual death. And the Holy spirit miraculously take me and plunge me into the body of Christ in Holy Spirit baptism, the, the baptism that saves me and join me to the body of Christ. And as Paul writes to the Ephesians, plant his Holy Spirit in my life and thus make me in my life the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm joined, we're living stones. We're joined here. We tem- this is the presence of God in the world today, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reveals his presence through, through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we are. This is how it is today. There's a restraining in the world today and you can almost, you don't have to almost see, you can see what will happen when the final restraining power is gone. When the church is removed and the Holy Spirit's work as it, he works through the church when that stops, and the Holy Spirit is always everywhere at all times, but he's, 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 His work is different once the church is gone. And there is no restraint in the world, and all those demons are loosed from the Abyasos, uh, from the Tartara, th- from the lower parts of Hades, and they gain access to the human race, and then those, those angelic magnates, Who are currently bound at the Euphrates River. And they're loosed. Well there's something about the work of the church. And the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the work that we are doing. Christ working in us and through us. It continues. Until the fullness of its time has come. Still going. But in this time. The word of God teaches us. The word of God energizes us. The word of God charges us to our responsibility. Teaches us how to do what we're supposed to do also teaches us every time we read it, we, we get it, we get more and more enriched over reading the word of God because even though we read the same scripture again, that we've read a hundred times before we learn something new because the Holy Spirit is expanding our spiritual view of God and his Christ and the wonderful relationship that exists between him and his own. So, This is something for the people of God. So here, this unique and awesome revelation, the word of God is for the people of God. And this is the great teaching as the first speech, the first lecture is closed out. This is the concluding part of this part of Moses' instruction. So here we go. For ask now regarding the early days that were before you since today that Elohim created man upon the earth, and from one end of the heavens to the other, to the end of heavens to the other end of, of the heavens, whether there was anything like this great thing, or was the likes of it ever heard? Did ever a people hear Elohim's voice speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and lived? And live. Moses listened to the voice of God speaking out the fire, a pillar of fire. Followed the people from where they came out of Egypt and over to the entrance of of Canaan. The the it was like Judgment Day, the lightning and the fire at Sinai. That was so so old and hard and dreadful that it placed a curse on anybody who would dare to touch the mountain but they heard all that was going on and they lived no one else but the people of god would be preserved in such a thing so moses says okay so let me sum this up let's go back to the creation of man to this very day when you have been witnesses of the fact that God speaks to his people and you're still alive and you were there to hear much of what was said. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Did anybody anywhere, did any nation, did ever a people hear Elohim's voice speaking out of the midst of fire as you have heard and live? Well, no. So this is a unique relationship between Yahweh and his chosen people. And so he gave his people the word and they lived. What that meant was they were to receive it, believe it, accept it, use it, teach it, go with it, rest on it for the rest of their days. The word of God was theirs. Because the God who gives this unique manifestation of Himself, His relationship with His people, this God is like no other God. There is no claim anywhere that some God did what God did creation, flood, protected His people. They're still here today, they're still under attack today and they are the only people the only nation that has remained unique in the world with its bloodline with its nationality with its ethnicity with its word with its language nobody else for for thousands of years nobody else can claim that i've told you the story before but maybe it deserves telling again about how At a previous pastorate, there there was an, well, the original building was a very old building, but it had been redone. One particular room within that building was just simply repainted, but the tongue-in-groove walls and all that stuff was still the same. And there was an ancient, I mean, old world map. I don't know, the thing was at least three by four. It may have been four by six, very large. It nearly covered the entire wall of one of the four walls in that office. It was darkened by age and years and you could walk up to it. And the map was a map of the world as it was in the days before World War One. So you had all these strange sounding nations and they had different boundaries than they are today. Well, that's, that's been the way it has been in the times of the Gentiles all the way through the history of the times of the Gentiles. And Gentile languages are always in a flux. The only two languages that have, that have rested as being frozen in time. One of them is classic Hebrew, not modern Hebrew, but classic Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament is written in. Thus, it can't change. It's frozen in time. And Koine Greek, which is what the New Testament is written in, Koine Greek, it's different from modern Greek, it's different from Byzantine Greek. It is Koine Greek, it is the Greek of the Greek philosophy of Alexander the Great's era, and it, is, it was his efforts that brought the known civilized world under the common man's Greek, Koine means common, under the common Greek, so that everybody could pretty much in that time as far as possible, speak the same language. But with the rise of Rome at the, at the close of the first century, with the closure of the canon of Scripture, the coming of the Revelation, which ended the Bible, the world turned to Latin. Koine Greek was frozen in time. But aside from that, all the other languages are always in a state of flux, Study the English language of the 1600s. You will understand, you will see in reading, you will see and read and you'll think, well, I think I know what this word means, but, you know, might not. Much less the, the English of the hundred years earlier or, or 300 years earlier. And the language that was before the Britannic language that we try to struggle with today—it's always—it's the map. The people were the same. The place was the same. It's always, but the Word of God—it's not that way. Has always taught us in the same way with the same words. It doesn't change. It never changes. God never changes. The Word of God is unique because. And there's no other book like that book because there's no other God like the true and living God. There is no other God but the true and living God. Or did Elohim ever go and try to take for him a nation from the midst of another nation with trials, with signs, with wonders and with war, with a strong hand, with an outstretched arm and with great awesome deeds as all that Yahweh your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? You have been shown in order to know that in in Yahweh, God, there is none else beside him. So, kind of a rhetorical question, but the question is valid. And he would ask the people, have you ever known or heard of at any other time, that a nation was taken out of another nation. Israel was extracted from Egypt. And it was done so with all his mighty signs and wonders and trials and miracles. You ever heard of anything like that before? No. Have you ever heard of anything like that since? Any of it I know? It is because God is unique. His people are unique and he's called them to himself. There is none else beside him. So he has proven himself to be God through what he has done through his people. From the heavens, he lets you hear his voice to instruct you. And upon the earth, he showed you his great fire. You heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your forefathers and chose their seed after them, he brought you out of Egypt before him with his great strength. The unique and wonderful Yahweh Elohim to drive out from before you nations greater and stronger than you to bring you and give you their land for an inheritance as this day. And you shall know this day and consider it in your heart that Yahweh Elohim in heaven above and upon earth below there is none else but Yahweh Elohim. So speaking to all of those Israelites, there had to have been Israelites all over the place saying, "Amen, amen, amen." They saw it. They were there. They witnessed it. Obedience to the Word of God is the way to prosperity. You shall observe His statutes, His commandments which I command you this day that it may be well with you and your children after you that you may prolong your days upon the earth which Yahweh your God gives you forever. Now the Bible of course is the book by which we are led to salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, the Son of God. Everything in the Old Testament is leading us to him. All of the genealogy in the Bible stop with the genealogy of Jesus in the New Testament. The names of Yahweh, they all stop with the name of Yahushua, with the name of Yahweh Savior, or Yahweh saves. They all stop with Him. There's, there's nothing else. The temple worship stops with, shortly after the death of Christ, and they're indeed dispersed. Because of their rejection of their Messiah. There's no no denying all that. Now, you and I have been studying on Wednesday nights what happens to the nation, God's people, when God's people sin and they reject God and His Word. Things go badly for them, they lose their prosperity, they lose their place in the world. They lose their 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 dignity, their elevated position among nations. And in losing prosperity, they lose military strength, they become slaves. But if the people go, see, it's not it's it's a spiritual it's a spiritual book that leads us to salvation, but practically it's also a book that teaches us how to live. Good, solid, responsible living how to deal with the issues of life and how to do it properly and putting God in the first place. And the blessings just flow trying to follow the principles that are there. Financial principles, whatever. The principles that are in the Bible. Observe it. Observe his word. It'll be well with you and your children after you, and as a nation, you will be a nation a long time. You will prolong your days upon the earth, which Yahweh, your God, gives you forever. Finally, obedience to the Bible for the people of God provides refuge to those who are otherwise vulnerable. And here it is. Then Moses decided to separate three cities on the side of the Jordan towards the sunrise so that a murderer might flee there. He who murders his fellow man unintentionally but did not hate him in time past that he may flee to one of these cities so that he may live. Bezir in the desert in the plain country of the Reubenites Ramoth and Gilead of the Gadites and Golan in the Bashan of the Minasites. So Even, even in the difficult moments of life where we find ourselves vulnerable, in every other way, God through His word provides a way for us if we will be obedient to His way. The case in point here: someone accidentally kills somebody. It wasn't murder. He had no intent in his heart to kill somebody. There was an accident, something happened. And naturally, the relatives of the dead person, the victim, are going to be after the person who was there. And he has an escape, he has a way. Well, there are other things in the Bible that teach us as well how we can be relieved when when we have tried to live responsibly before God but certain circumstances come along. There there are other places, other times always telling us that obedience to the word of God assists us, helps us even in the times when we are most vulnerable. Well, we'll stop there and we'll be dismissed and we'll pick up there uh, the next time we have a Sunday night meeting. And I don't know when that is. is. it when? we have one next Sunday. Well, don't let me miss it. <laughs> I'll try my best to be here and God willing. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. For the direction that it gives us. Thank you, O oh God, for the relationship that you have established between who you are and who we are. And that you've given us spiritual life. So that we have the ability to understand your word and read it and be guided by it. Thank you for your blessed word and all that it does for us. And the one to whom it points, Jesus Christ our Lord, and in his name we pray, amen.